I warned you last week of the curse of knowledge. It's that thing where you hear something that you think you know and you assign it to something uh, very familiar to you and soon after that you're done with it. I hope, as I said last week, that you will not do that with the things that I am saying. One of the comments that has come out of last week is that what I was describing was the life of sanctification. Perhaps it would be good to tell you right from the beginning that I am not describing what I consider the life of sanctification. There are things that Jesus promises and things that Jesus says that not everyone that I know who is sanctified experiences. So sanctification may be the doorway into this life, but this life itself is so much more. I also hope that, um, that you will be able to listen today and put down a system that is very familiar to you and take up another one, which uh, is my prayer uh, for my life and yours, that it will then give you the life that you want. What you heard me say last week, if I should be more clear, is that I believe it is possible for um, the Holy Spirit to possess a person in much the same way that a demon would possess a person and with similar but opposite results. I believe that when the Spirit possesses a person, takes over their faculties, that person's personality begins to change over time. That is sort of the baseline. Think of it as passive possession. But then there are times when the Holy Spirit comes upon a person and that person actually speaks or acts with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the presence of God's Spirit is elevated in that person at that time. What comes out of them is extraordinary. There are times when the Holy Spirit will overpower you or overwhelm you so much that He gives you a supernatural strength Though it may not be the strength to lift things that you could not lift before, it may simply be the power to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. There is power for that too, you know. That is even more impressive than the physical power to lift anything. There may come a time where the Spirit may so possess you that you will not think God's thoughts after Him, but rather with Him. For He is not in front of you. He is actually inside of you. And you are having conversations with Him and you are walking with Him in real time. It may be possible for the Holy Spirit to so take over your faculties that when you step into a room... You expose the deeds of darkness, not by, a, not by resisting them, not by calling them out, but simply by being who you are. And God's Spirit is inside of you. I'm thinking of the time when Jesus, walking through, was encountered by a person who was demon-possessed. Watch this. A person he never had talked to before. Suddenly, the evil spirit that was inside of the one man calls out to Jesus and says, 
What do you want with us? We know who you are, O Holy One of God. Even though Jesus and the man had not had a conversation prior to that, even though they were not talking like I am talking to you, the spirit that was inside of the man recognized the spirit that was inside of him and he called him out. And I'm wondering if there are not places in our lives where we need not resist evil. God's spirit is so overwhelmingly in charge of our faculties that simply by being we resist evil. Man, this is another level of living even for people who profess to be sanctified. So perhaps sanctification is a form of passive, if you will, possession by the Spirit with spikes of active possession coming on us. And my prayer for me and my prayer for you people is that those spikes in your life would be more frequent and there would be fewer space in between. You heard me say last week that this may be what Jesus meant when he tells us in the Olivet Discourse that the Spirit will not only be with us, but he will be in us. And I think you heard me say that in the Western world, we are so afraid of this that we choose to live very spiritual but dispossessed lives. We, we may be enormously talented and very ambitious, but if we live dispossessed lives, we will never at the end of the day be able to do more than we can humanly do. If we live dispossessed lives, you may be extremely intelligent and very articulate in the things you know, but you will never be able to know something more than what you can reason. If you live a dispossessed life, you may be self-controlled, you may be morally conservative, but you will never be able to change the desires of your own heart. For the heart wants what it wants. And you are stuck with that unless the Holy Spirit takes over you and changes those desires. This is a whole new operating system that may be foreign to some of you. So it raises the question this morning of how. It's what everyone has written, called, stopped, said, how. And this is where I hope the Holy Spirit will help you change your system. The secret for me, you guys, comes in John 14. It's in this dialogue that Jesus, by the way, you'll need your Bibles. You'll, yeah, they're in your pew or on your phone or in your mind. He says in verse 21 of John 14, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. 
He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him. And I will show myself. I will reveal myself. The word is used for post-resurrection appearances. Jesus revealed himself to them. He says, I will reveal myself to you. And then Judas, not Iscariot, thinking in the wrong system, Judas says to him, Lord... Why would you reveal yourself to us, but not to other people in the world? And then Jesus, <laughs> this is what he says in verse 23. You, well, 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 the answer, Judas, is that if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. No, Jesus, answer the question. Okay, my father will love him and will come to him and we will make our home with him. No, Jesus, answer the question. The question is, why would you show yourself to us but you will not show yourself to the world? And your answer is, if you love me, you obey me and we'll come and live with you. He didn't answer the question. So I imagine them saying to Jesus, no, no, answer the question. And Jesus says, I did. But if you hear the answer in the old system, you'll miss it. You have to hear differently so you can read differently and get into the new operating system. Think of it like this. Most of what we have in our lives is the result of a transaction. That is, you reach out and buy something or you ask for something and then somebody gives you the thing that you ask for. It's a transaction. Sometimes it comes from a need in your life that arises out of a deficiency. You look around, you want something, you don't have it, you say you need it, I need a college education. So what do you do? You make a transaction with a university to give you the degree. You got to study. If you want something uptown, you make a transaction. You go in, say, This is the one I want. You order it, they give it to you, you pay them, you walk away, and it's yours. You have it. So when I was changing operating systems on my iPhone uh, a few years ago, I uh, made a transaction. But I was not familiar with these things. I had a cell phone that was, it was a dog. It couldn't do anything. It couldn't read documents, download the right iTunes anyway. The wrong ones are always free. You can get those, but not the right ones. And I couldn't watch any movies. It couldn't do anything. And I would, I had friends that had phones that had all of these things. And I said to them, I think I need a new phone. And they said, no, no, you just need a new operating system. It's called an iOS. It's right there on your phone. And sure enough, I looked and there was a notification. And the notification when I hit it said essentially, uh, hey, dummy, your friends were right. You haven't changed your system since the 1800s. It's time for something new. Then there was the button that said install now or there was one next to it that said don't install. Well, since I wanted it, I hit install, and the moment I hit it, 
it kicked me over to a page called Terms and Conditions. And then I saw this language that only a lawyer could love. And it was long, and I started to read it. I don't know, I was naive. And I got about three sentences in, and I thought, this is a waste of time. But I looked down to the bottom, and there was a button that said, accept or decline. And because I had not read the terms, yeah, I'm not like Congress. (laughs) Buy it and read it later. I declined. For all I knew, they were going to say, you got to give us your house. So it kicked me back to the page that said, install now. So I hit install now and it kicked me over to the terms and conditions. Well, I still hadn't read them. So I clicked decline and it kicked me back to install now. And then I went back to terms and conditions and this went on and on. I know you're thinking, you're an idiot. Then all of a sudden it occurred to me that these Nazis are not going to give me the operating system unless I accept the terms and conditions. I haven't even read the terms and conditions. I don't even know if I can keep them. Finally, in faith, I hit accept. And then it said verifying. And then I was thinking, I know. They're checking on my bank account. They're checking on my house. At the end of the day, I could not have a house. I won't have a car. I won't have any money. But thank God I'll have a new operating system. (laughs) So far, I have all of those things. And I have the new system. If, If you think about it, you guys... Most of what you possess and most of what you desire, no, listen, in the spiritual life, you desire as as a transaction. You call out to God and you ask God to give you what you think you lack. It's the same thing as saying, install now. You came last week, you heard about a possessed life, that was a notification. You said to yourself, hey, that's a better system than the one I have, how do I get it? Install now. You are waiting to download something so that once you have it, you can possess it and then you can move on with a better life. That is not the way this works. Some of you have called out asking God to give you something. Install now. I need more power in my spiritual life. Install now. I need to be able to resist temptation. Install now. But then you walk out and you fall to temptation and you think to yourself, I must have done something wrong with the terms and conditions. You say, I need a miracle. Install now. It doesn't happen. And you say, I must must have blown the terms and conditions. I want to be sanctified. Install now. But then a week from now, it doesn't seem like you're sanctified. And you say, I must have done something wrong with the terms and conditions. Am I right about this? Do you not go back and forth from wanting it to blowing it? 
from wanting it to blowing it, thinking every time you don't have what you asked for, you have done something wrong with the terms and conditions which you have in all likelihood not read. There is a new system. It's relational. Listen to the language of Jesus. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. I will not leave you. I will come to you. Verse 18. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, listen, verse 21, he is the one who loves me and I will reveal myself to him. Verse 23, my father and I will come to him and we will make our home with him. Chapter 15, verse 14, you are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. I call you friend for everything I learned from my father. I have made known to you. Relationships are fundamentally different from transactions. And the reason you can't have the possessed life as a transaction is because those are not the terms of the possessed life. It is not that God won't give it to you. It is just that is not the way to get it. You can't pray a prayer. You can't ask for something. You can't make a transaction at an altar or anywhere else and Think that the possessed life is going to occur. The possessed life is not a matter of have or don't have. The possessed life is how well do you know him. It is not about getting. It's about knowing You can't get a person. You can only know him. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because some of us I know in this room right now have apprehended God through a very well-defined system that had instructions that if we do these things, we have it on the basis of his authority that he has done what he said. I'm not talking about instructions, people. I'm talking about knowing him. When you say that you want the possessed life, what you want is him. This life is not a life. It is Him. This is not a second blessing. It is Him. This is not sanctification. It is Him. 
This is not some extraordinary work of grace. This is not a miracle. This is not a baptism in the Spirit. This is Him. Oh, I wish somebody would have told me this. Back when I was looking for sanctification, for this thing called holiness, I kept looking for extraordinary power. I kept waiting for this event to happen in my life. Listen to me. There may be events along the way to knowing Him, but it is not the event. No, no. There may be a wedding on the way to a good marriage, but what you want is a marriage. So I spent my whole life looking for the wedding. I kept looking for the moment when God would do something new and fresh in my heart. And I read everything and I talked to a bunch of people and I prayed. I've been at these altars more times than anyone, I think. And it just never happened. And I wish somebody would have said to me, Steve, you don't want that. You want him. Listen to me. You are not sanctified precisely because you are trying to be sanctified. Choose him. Go after him. And you will have sanctification. If you pursue sanctification, you will have neither. He is not interested in giving you an experience. He is interested in possessing you. But you have to want Him. Oh, I can't say this enough. Because I know the minute I do, it's being translated in your mind in some lesser way, but I wish you could hear it. Oh, I wish you could hear it. And so the way into the possessed life is governed by things that regulate relationships, not by things that regulate transactions. And what are those things? There are only two. Both of these things are part of every relationship you have. Both of these things begin in the triune God. And because of that, they are part of every good relationship. They run like two rails, side by side. Where there is one, there must be the other. Where there is the other, you will see the one. But you are probably better at one than the other. And your way into the possessed life will only be as far as these two rails together will take you. You can go no further than the shorter of the two rails. One rail is the rail of love. And the other is the rail of obedience. Listen to Jesus. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Chapter 14, 15. And again, verse 21 Whoever has my commands 
and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And he will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him, and we will reveal ourselves to him. And again, in verse 23, if, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. And the Father and I will come, and we will make our home with him. Judas, the new system is, you do not ask God for everything you want. The Father is in you. And He knows what you have need of before you even ask. And there are things that you should ask, but you don't even know how to ask. But the Holy Spirit is inside of you, and He will articulate for you what you should be saying. Have you never thought to yourself, I know I am blowing this prayer, but I am just as sure he's hearing exactly what he needs to hear. Because I'm in him. So he gives me all things. Not because I'm asking for them. He gives me these things because I know him. Oh, listen to me. Whenever you go after money from someone who is rich, you look wrong. The relationship is flawed already. People do not give the best gifts to people who ask for them. They give the best gifts to people who know them. People with assets do not want to be asked they want to be known. So it is always the knowing that provides the benefits. And the way into knowing is to love Him and obey Him. I grew up obeying Him long before I loved Him. This is where religious backgrounds can be, can be so oppressive. His, they teach you how to live the life, but you don't even want the life. You just don't want the alternative. So, I was living the moral life before there was even a hell to avoid. Or if there was, I didn't know about it. It was the wrath of my parents, not the wrath of God. And then as I got older, the wrath of my parents became the wrath of God. So I learned to do things right on the outside, but inside the desires did not change. I still wanted what I wanted, and I couldn't change it. And so every act of obedience was like a fence that kept me away from things that I really wanted, but I could not have. And then one day, it seemed as though the Lord said, you know what? Obedience is not something that bars you from the good life. It is a doorway into the good life. So if you find yourself obeying things that you do not like, it is because you don't like the best things. 
You have a tiny world and you think it's good. You should see the bigger one. And if you obey me, I will lead you into a life of freedom and largeness that you have never had before. So I no longer see obedience as some kind of sacrifice that I have to make in order to be or remain a Christian. No, no. I see obedience as a doorway into something I've never experienced before. I know some of you understand me. I know you do. Your generation doesn't, but you do because you came from religious backgrounds. And that's what they taught you. But this generation, as I say, is strong on love. I was strong on obedience. Your generation is strong on love. You came from homes, in most cases, that affirmed virtually everything you did. And you can't imagine in your wildest dreams that God might not be pleased about something But gosh, that puts a lot of pressure on you, doesn't it? So every few days you disengage from your life and you come into worship and we do an amazing job up here and you find yourself pulled into this and you say, yeah, that is true. That is what I believe. That is how I want to live. But then you go out this week and you just can't do it. So you're really long on love but short on obedience. We will sing, you know, he is jealous for me. He loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves. I get it. But do you love him? That is the question. There has never been any doubt in heaven about whether or not God loves the question is, do you love him? Are you jealous for him? Does something inside of his chest shake violently when he thinks of the way that you love him? What will you not do because you love him? What will you practice that doesn't seem normal to you, but because you love him, you say, this is what is required by our relationship. Obedience is nothing more than aligning oneself with the nature of the one loved. It was never about the laws. So if you find yourself saying, well, can I, can I, is it right, is it right? The question is flawed. What is the heart of Jesus? Do that. And if it's not consistent with the heart of Jesus, quit it. Oh, you know where I'm going. In your pew are cards that look like this. 
One side says love, the other side says obedience because we don't know how to say this, but these are two sides of the same coin. So it could be, church, that every act of disobedience is not a lack of self-control. It's a lack of love at the end of the day. It's a lack of love. Cut it any way you want, but that's what's in question.